everyone. This is Tim with All Line Big Blue, bringing you the best in New York Giants sports talk entertainment. Oh, we're back in business. It's Tuesday. We're heading back to the mini camps. We've got uh, OTAs coming up as well. I want to talk about Brian Dable and how he needs to mold this young team because this team is not only full of rookies and second year players, but they're full of young veterans. And Brian Dable needs to actually do something that Joe Judge did not do. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But I had a question, and I got this question a couple times. And people were asking me, Tim, what are the difference between OTAs and minicamps? And, and you know, it's actually interesting because it's kind of a conf- it's kind of a confusing question if you go by the NFL about what they are. Uh, if you go by the NFL guidelines, OTAs are 10-day off-season programs that are designed to help players improve through in-person meetings and classroom instructions with less on-field practice. Mini camps are shorter three-day workouts that also occur during phase three of the off-season. Both OTAs and minicamps do not have any live contact on on-field drills. The biggest difference is you're going to be on the oh during mini you're going to be on the field more during your mini camps, but the problem is mini camps are also shorter on field workouts. But you're going to be on you're going to be on the field more, and you can still participate in seven to seven, nine on seven, eleven on eleven drills, um, which can be run on OTAs or it can also be run on mini camps. Now the biggest difference is mini camps are usually mandatory. So, I mean, that, that, that's, to me, that's the biggest difference. That OTAs, you know, if you're a rookie, well, if you're a rookie, you don't want to skip them. But if you're a, vet, a veteran, you have something going on, you need to skip it. You know, you, you can do that. Uh, mini camps are usually when they start fully, are trying to fully start acclimating to a system that they are going to start running in training camp. So, you, you're going to start, for a coach like Brian Dale, you're going to have to start putting in, you know, you're going to start trying to start putting it into your office during the OTAs. Um, but, like I said, the biggest difference is you're going to have more on field workouts on OTAs, such as drills, uh, such as scrimmages, again, without pads and uh, no contact, than you will with OTAs. OTAs is more of a learning experience and doing drills, and you have less on-field practice. So th- those are the big differences. I want to talk about Brian Dable again, I, and I'm not going to sit here and go through his resume one more time, you know, because everyone's we already know what he's done, where he's been, what he's, what he's all about, or we have an idea what he's all about because we really don't know. You see the snippets from him in training, uh, excuse me, snippets from him in the OTAs. You see the snippets from him in his press conferences. So you you kind Kind of you, you can never get a full picture of what the coach is, because if you go by that, Joe Judge was the greatest coach in Giants history, because so many people fell for the Joe Judge bullshit, and that's just a nice way to say it. It just seems to me, though, and like I said, I called Joe Judge out from day one, and you can go back and watch the videos. I called him out 20 minutes after his press conference, but you could see the difference in ways that that Brian Dable works with his team, talks to the press, presents himself. He talks about earning things. He talks about hard work. He talks about putting in the effort. He talks, he gives you all the wonderful football cliches that you, that you love to hear. But you know what? Honestly, like I said, if you go watch Bull Durham, one of my favorite movies, because of the fact that when Crash Davis, you know, is teaching Nuke Lelouch his interviewing skills, no, you just got to play him one day at a time, and God willing, things will work out. That's you get a lot of that with Brian Dable, and honestly, I would rather have that from a first-year head coach than the brash a-hole that we had in Joe Judge. But the biggest bugaboo right now for Brian Dable is going to be reaching 
his team is going to be re- reaching into a place that he can find some of these players who have may have been overlooked or misused or not used at all and try to bring them into the fold and teach them how to be professionals and how to utilize their skills on and off the field. Now, I, I was thinking of some players yesterday that he need, probably needs to try to, you know, make an effort with and, and try and, you know, kind of reach out to. You got people like Julian Love. Julian Love's been on this team for a couple of years now. Uh, what going on? What's his fourth season now going into? I mean, Julian been a, has been an interesting player. He's been shuffled between safety, the slot, to the corner, but he's really never found that niche. He got, most people don't remember, don't want to talk about it. He got benched last year by Patrick Graham and was brought back due to injury towards the end of their last season to play the slot. I've always liked Julian Love. I liked him ever since he came out of Notre Dame. I've always liked him. I thought he has that skill set that will offer a multitude of versatility that will allow him to play in different situations. But the problem is, if you're not reaching that talent, if you're not finding that talent, if you're not making him a part of this team, it's not it's not going to do anything. And you need to maturate that talent. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, that's going to be that's going to be something else. That's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be the Winks job. No, it's also going to fall on the head coach. And it's going to be a guy like that that is really going to need to embrace the role and embrace someone such as, you know, such as Brian Dable. That's going to be the head. That's going to be the head coach's job. Then you got a guy like Carter Coughlin. Carter Coughlin, who he had an interesting rookie season. He's going into year three. He's got a three. He's in year three of a four-year deal at three point four. What is three point four million? His cap hit of nine hundred twenty thousand. So if he was to bounce out, there probably wouldn't be too much explanation needed. He's a guy that played one hundred ninety-two snaps as a rookie, but only thirty-nine when he appeared in just seven games after he landed on the injury reserve with an ankle injury. He has a total of twenty-three tackles, a single sack, and two quarterback hits. He's played a total of two hundred thirty-one uh, defensive snaps and three hundred and seven special team snaps. He is a guy that, after that Seattle game, you kind of thought would have found a place on the roster, would found a would fa- would have found something that would make him help himself stand out. But again, I think it was the judge or not. And I think it was Patrick Graham that did not utilize the talent that they had in him. And they basically, you know, they basically just send him over to special teams. I mean, which is, which is fine, but he showed, especially in that Seattle game, that he could be an asset, that he could be a player. I don't think it was a one-time aberration. I think it is something that the coach needs to find something in him. Now, of course, it's also going to be up to the winker, but it's going to be a guy like Brian Dable who seems to have his finger on the scale everywhere that is going to come in here and hope and show you the way he can play and the way he can turn into a pro. Basically, it's this. Everyone, and it's you can't say if it's going on right now, but everyone needs to buy in to what's going on and what's being taught. You have to buy in. I never thought 100% that the team bought into Joe Judge. I never thought that. I, you could see it at times. You could see it on the field. I, I even said it, uh, I've said it uh, the preseason games last year that I found it interesting that Joe Judge had basically divided the bench 
You had one sec, and I took a picture of it and I posted it on Twitter. You had one side of the bench was all offense. You had the other side of the bench was all defense. There was no integration of the team. To me, that is not a team. That is two separate entities trying to play their roles, but you're not building a cohesiveness. You're not building. And a lot of people are going to say, you know, Tim, because Joe Judge, of course, he didn't blow. He didn't believe in momentum. Momentum is huge in sports. Building a camaraderie with your team is huge. You, there have been plenty of teams that did plenty of teams that did not like each other, certain players, but they all came together for a common goal, for a common effort, and that is to win. And I think that's what the that that's what Dable needs to do with this organization and with this young staff and not young staff, but I should say with this young team, with these young veterans, show them. Not only how to be a professional, how to carry yourself, but show them the understanding that they are going to need to move forward on the field to progress. Also, I want to talk about Nick Gates briefly. Uh, Nick Gates hinted the other day that um, uh, that his injury may have been uh, career-ending. Uh, he was asked by uh, Dan Dugan of the Athletic, and he says, "I don't even know." So it's he says it's so hard to tell. Uh, to tell, it's slow. I don't know. I'm definitely could be able to play again, but that's my goal. I want to. For every Alex Smith comeback story, there's a handful of players who simply cannot make the grade post injury. Nick had seven surgeries. He had a rod placed along his tibia. He's got two screws at the top and the bottom of the rod. There was a skin graft. There was a skin transplant, which they had to take from his upper and lower th- leg, or sorry, his upper thigh and his leg. I, I mean, it, it, was, it was a horrific injury. Will he come back? I don't know, but he's kind of hinting that, you know, maybe this is going to be it for Nick. And, you know, Nick will be missed because I thought he would he for for the way he admirably tried to play center those 16 games to what I thought he could have been at guard. I think that uh, I think that's I think that's going to hurt this team the most because I think he would have I think he could have been a fine guard. I, I, I thought that I was never a big fan of giving him the contract without him really playing. And I've, I've never been, I've never been shy to say that, but I always thought that he could help and he could benefit this team by being in that lineup in the guard position. We have a new video coming up. Doing, starting to do Met videos again. Probably do one once a week where we just kind of recap the week and go for it. It's going to probably be released today. Um, so that, that'll be fun. Today isn't Tuesday. So look out for that. I'll give you, I will give you a little hint. No, I'm not going to give you a hint about what the video is about, but I will give you a hint what the video, I'll give you a hint what the video is entitled, what is titled. It's about our Mr. Friend Francisco Lindor and it's titled Mo money, more problems, but it's not a bad video. So I don't want to hear anyone talk about, Oh, he's going to be negative. No, it's actually things that I talked about before, but it's just things that I think need to be repeated about Lindor. I think he's getting a bad rap for a couple things, but we will go over that as well. And again, this is Tim with online big blue, bringing you the best in New York giant sports talk and entertainment. And as always, if you could like, you can subscribe, you ring that bell. You know what I mean? Maybe as a, um...